1460 WVOX. 1460 WVOX. They're playing basketball. We love that basketball. They're playing Good evening, everybody. It's Jim Maceno, College Hoops Chat Radio Show here on WVOX, 1460 AM, New Rochelle's excellent community radio station. We're here every Monday night from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock, and we have fun doing it. So I thank everyone who tuned in tonight uh, to be part of the show. So this is called the Transfer Portal Show. How about that? We have a title, the Transfer Portal Show. Uh, our guests are going to be Jaden Daly at 8.15 p.m. Uh, Jaden has a website called Daily Dose of Hoops, and you can learn an awful lot about college basketball by checking out his website. And then halfway through at 8.32, we're going to have Kenny from Rye and Peter DiBiase, our student from uh, Providence College, who knows an awful lot about college basketball and um, brings us uh, kind of the student perspective, too, which I think is great for the show. That'll be halfway through. And then in the final segment of the show, I'm raising my voice for this, final segment of the show, 847 to 9 for the last 13 minutes, open line. I want to see if we can get some new callers tonight. So if you've never called the show, tonight is your night, 914 914- Six three six zero one one zero from eight forty seven to nine. The final thirteen minutes of the show only callers. So hopefully you'll call during that segment. Next week we have a great guest. I'm working on two guests, but I have one guest all lined up. Casey Stanley, the assistant coach at Iona College. Casey was on uh, at the beginning of the season. Did a great job. Uh, let us letting us know all about the Iona College basketball team. Uh, It was kind of like a real learning experience for all of us uh, to be introduced to all the new players under Rick Pitino, and Casey did a great job. And he's going to come back next week, now that season's over. He got a little break, and Casey will share some thoughts about uh, this prior Iona College basketball season, which was so successful going to the NCAA tournament, and next season, which uh, people are already saying uh, is looking like a terrific season uh, with some transfers coming in, some really good recruits coming in, and all the freshmen from last year being one year older. So uh, Casey should be great next week. Okay, we got a uh, probably about five minutes before Jaden joins us. This is the Transfer Portal Show. Now, if you follow college basketball, you know why we entitled the show Transfer Portal Show. If you don't know, let me give you a quick class. In the olden days, meaning last year, And every year prior, if a college basketball player wanted to transfer to another school, they were allowed to, but they had to sit out one year. That was the golden rule. Transfer is fine. You got to sit out one year. If you were still an underclassman, sit out one year, and then you could play the following year. So a lot of uh, student athletes decided against transferring for the last hundred years because they had to sit out a year. The rule changed last week. Now, it's been rumored for months. So uh, lots of student athletes in college basketball were saying they were going to transfer, uh, anticipating this rule being passed. 
And it was, in fact, passed last week by the NCAA. And the new rule is pretty simple. Every college basketball and college football player, I think it covers some other sports too, but those are the two I know for sure, gets one free transfer. So you go to your school, your original school, and if you're not happy there or you want to change for some reason, whatever it is, academic, playing time, you don't like the coach, whatever the reason that you want to transfer, you get one free transfer, meaning you can transfer and you don't have to sit out the year. So this just happened officially last week. And college basketball has been turned upside down. Uh, With this new rule, one out of every four college basketball player, men's college basketball players, has now put their name what's called the transfer portal. If you'd like to transfer, all you need to do is put your name in the portal and then other schools can contact you. They're not allowed to contact you while you're still playing for your school. But once you put your name in the transfer portal, All the other schools in America can transfer you and discuss maybe joining a different college basketball team. So um, that's the new rule, and it's pretty exciting And uh, for college basketball. Now, I would say it's a great rule for college basketball players. They get more freedom uh, of movement. And um, I don't know how good it is for the sport of college basketball. We'll discuss that over over tonight. But it's certainly good for the players. It's definitely... Uh, has been unfair over the years where a college basketball player could, uh, if he transferred, he had to sit out a year, where coaches can change to a better job and not have to sit out a year. That was awfully unfair. Uh, We have our caller? All right, let me go to the phone line. Uh, There's your introduction to the transfer portal. Let's go to the phone line. Good evening. Oh, we don't have the caller yet. Hold on, folks. I wasn't sure. I got mixed up. All right, so let's go back. So there is a debate, I think a healthy debate, that it's very good for the players, but not great for the sport. Now, let me give you an example why I personally think it's a problem for the sport. One of the great things about college basketball is watching a player join a team uh, and get better each year uh, under a very good coach that they click with and watching that player and their teammates as a team get better each year. You know, I'll give you an example. Georgetown in the 1980s. You know, they were, were so well coached by John Thompson. And they would just reload with these really top freshmen every year. And then John Thompson would make them part of the team. And he he played this full court pressure defense that was so aggressive and smart um, and kind of innovative. And you got to watch that each year. And that was the same with St. John's back then in Villanova. I'm an old Big East fan. In the 80s, Syracuse, another team like that, you know, going down to North Carolina and Duke. Uh, Wake Forest and North Carolina State down in the ACC. You got to watch these teams come together. You got to watch these players stay for two or three years. Got to watch team grow together, get better together. And by the time some of these teams were a little bit more upperclassmen led, they were all powers in the NCAA tournament. Well, that's going to be somewhat uh, eliminated now, right? Guys are going to be jumping all over with this one-time transfer. And I think that'll be lost. I'll give you a perfect example of my theory, which I... Um, I think our caller is coming in now, so now we'll go to the phone line, and I'll save my theory for a little later. Uh, good evening. Jim, how are you? Is this Jaden? This is he. All right, so this is Jaden Daly, a good friend to the show. It's the third time he's called. We appreciate appreciate it. Um, Jaden, uh, let, let's, let's get the preliminaries done so everybody knows about the great work you're doing. Tell everybody about your website so they know to go look at it and follow it. 
Thanks again for having me on. Daily Dose of Hoops just celebrated 12 years in business over the weekend. A little bit lighter on the content in the off season, but still covering New York Metro Area College Hoops, St. John's, Seton Hall, Rutgers, Iona, Manhattan. We do a lot of the Mac. Trying to keep up with the transfer portal. I, I know it's almost an exercise in futility, so to speak, Jim. But on Twitter, Daily Dose of Hoops, Google us, it'll be the first thing you see. That's right. Daily Dose of Hoops is the website. It's the same. It's also his Twitter name. So I found Jaden uh, when I started this radio show. I already thanked him on a prior show, but I was trying to understand better Northeast basketball, uh, New York Metropolitan basketball, because although I'm a college basketball fan, fanatic maybe, um, I didn't know as much as Jaden's website knows. So I, w- I was going to this website, Daily Dose of Hoops, to learn more about the MAC Conference, learn more about some of these New York area teams. And uh, it was a tremendous resource when I started the show. So I thank you again, Jaden, and I recommend it to everybody, folks. Daily Dose of Hoops. How's that, Jaden? Good commercial? Thank you. Thank you so much. No problem. You deserve it. All right. So, Jaden, the transfer portal is insane. 25% of college basketball players on the men's side have put their name into the portal. Uh, a lot of the top players have kind of already moved. Uh, there's a lot of players in the middle still talking to schools. The other thing I've learned recently, I don't know if you heard this, Jaden, but there's a lot of players on that list that nobody's really called. I mean, they're mid-major backup players that put their name in the portal, but really nobody's even called them yet because there's so many people in the transfer portal. It's kind of like the new Wild West of college basketball. And I think some kids went into the portal without a plan, and they may not find another team. You know what I mean, Jaden? Very good point that you raised, where you have some kids that are arbitrarily putting their names in the portal, getting whatever kind of advice they have from their inner circles, their handlers, their AAU coaches, mentors, what have you, with no concrete destination. It's almost as if they're taking advantage of the unprecedented free agency that this is akin to in college basketball, where you have uncharted territory and you have people experimenting for no reason other than to say they experienced it. And I'm sure you can relate from the 60s and 70s. It's a lot like the hippie movement. <laughs> it's a, it is a free-spirited movement, that's for sure. Peace, love, and college basketball. It's a crazy time, Jaden, and uh, I don't know where it's all going. I, I, I don't know if you heard my opening thing, but one thing I loved about college basketball, uh, you know, growing up in the 70s and 80s, was following the 80s college basketball and watch a team like Georgetown and the John Thompson or St. John's and the Louis Corniseca come together, watching these players grow from year to year, watch the team get better every year with some new guys coming in, with the older juniors and seniors now being the team leaders. I don't know how much we see of that anymore, Jaden. Yeah, you really don't. And even even me growing up in the 80s and 90s and growing up a fan of the ACC watching Carolina and Dean Smith, Mike Krzyzewski at Duke, Gary Williams at Maryland, Bobby Kremins at Georgia Tech, guys that got old and stayed old, so to speak, to use a Mike Bray parlance that he, he mentioned a few years ago talking about his recruiting methods. The year of the four-year player and developing him into an all-conference talent is coming on. It's just the nature of the beast, Jim, and now it's become a survival of the fittest affair. All right, Jaden, let's go to the school that I've been a fan of my whole life. You actually went to the school. You're an alumni. I've been following uh, 
St. John's, Red Storm. They had, they were a different name back then. Uh, since David Russell was on the team, you remember that name? I know of him. All right, so uh, he was a, a great jumper, a leaper, and a really strong player back in the late 70s uh, into the early 80s. Anyway, I'm a Johnny's fan. You're a Johnny's fan. St. John's has had as much drama in the transfer portal as anybody in the country. Um, I think seven different guys put their name into the portal. Uh, four guys have now come into the squad. Uh, St. John's is kind of having a very exciting offseason, aren't they? Been a roller coaster offseason for Mike Anderson, losing seven players, well, eight if you count David Carraher leaving in the middle of the season. Right. And now picking up four transfers, beginning with Steph Smith, the All America East shooting guard from Vermont, and now over the past two days, Showing up the backcourt with Montez Mathis, which I think is one of the best pickups in this offseason so far, getting a stout defender who can shoot when needed, but is more in line with the system that Mike Anderson's running. And then we saw last season, Jim, that St. John's was inconsistent down low in the front court. So what does Anderson do? He picks up Joel Soriano from Fordham, who averaged 10 points and 9 rebounds in the Atlantic 10 in a short season. Remember, Fordham had a COVID pause and didn't get to play the non-conference and then had another pause to rail the rest of the A-10 season. So through 11 or 12 games, you have almost a double-double talent from a 6-11 center. Local kid played for Pat Masseroni at Stepanak. So St. John's and its fan base knows what they're getting into with Joel Soriano. I think he'll make a big difference. So it's funny, you know, so I, I, I don't know if you know this, Jaden, but I went to Iona Prep, the rival of Stepanek. So I was I, rooting I against that. Joel in high school. Uh, both my, I went to Iona Prep and my son did, so we're huge Iona Prep fans. But I've seen, my point is I've seen uh, Joel play in high school. He was a very solid player. Although, oddly enough, he was on a team with a Duke commit and a, uh, uh, a North Carolina commit, an R.J. Davis. So he wasn't even the best player on his own team, you know? And Alan Griffin as well. Yeah, exactly. So, um, But anyway, he's a very solid player. I'm curious. I'm always curious about a mid-majors jump to a Power 6 conference. It's hit and miss, Jaden. You probably have noticed that. Some kids can step up from mid-major and play very well. Uh, like the point guard of Michigan this year was Michael Smith, I believe his name was. Um, he had a wonderful step up from Columbia to Michigan. But I also have seen many kids try to step up from mid-major and not be any anywhere near as good as they were at the mid-major level when they got to a power six. So you never quite know about the transition, although I do think the Atlantic 10 is pretty close to a power six conference. There's also a Kyle Smythe where it doesn't work out as well as you'd think it will. So the jury's out, but I, I do think with Soriano's skill set and his size, he'll be exactly what St. John's needs. He might not be a double-double guy. He'll be a set, maybe a seven or eight and seven and eight kind of guy, but that's really all you need when you have talent like Posh Alexander, like Julian Champagny if he comes back, and then some of the incoming talent as well. I, I don't think St. John's is expecting the world from him. I think they're just expecting someone to come in and do his job. There's really not much pressure in that situation, Jim. I think he'll be fine. I agree. So Steph Smith is coming from... Vermont, where he shot 39-40% over the last two years from three. Somebody said he's not going to make the step up 
to power six level basketball. I said, you know something? When you shoot 40% from three, just get the kid open and let him shoot. That's all they need to do with Steph Smith. He can really shoot the ball. Um, and Aaron Wheeler is coming from Purdue. He's a six foot nine, a good athlete. He was in the rotation at Purdue, which is an NCAA tournament team. So it really looks like Montez Mathis, I agree with you, from Rutgers, starting guard at Rutgers, a terrific athletic defensive player, perfect fit uh, for Coach Anderson. Joel Soriano, we just talked about six foot eleven, big man, Aaron Wheeler and Steph Smith. I really like all four transfers for St. John's. I'll tell you what I'm I'm troubled by, and I haven't seen a lot of this in print, but it's my personal theory. Coach Anderson's defensive style is not easy to play. It's something you have to work out, work at, it's something you have to learn. Uh, it takes a lot of practice time. And they lost seven guys. Five of them were in the rotation that were used to playing. That defense, now they got to start all over with three freshmen, four transfers so far, maybe two more uh, transfers on the way. I do think St. John's defense is going to start out a little slow with all the change. And I liken a lot to the system that Steve Massiello runs in Manhattan. It's a very complex system with a lot of moving parts that are predicated on so many different factors in the game. It's very hard to master. So, yeah, the first couple weeks of the non-conference season are going to be a work in progress. And how soon the team can gel going into the Big East portion of the schedule will likely dictate the expectations. I know there are going to be some fans that think the ceiling for this group is the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, but you got to be patient, especially with a new roster and the degree of turnover that we're going to see at St. John's this year. I agree. And if you remember, the last two years, St. John's entered January. Well, two years ago, they had a really good record, but they had a very weak non-conference schedule. Uh, They slowed down when they got into the Big East two years ago, but then they started playing much better in the shutdown year. This year, the same thing, right? They They started slow in the Big East, but their defense turned it up. They played a lot better basketball, and they got on that uh, that streak where they won a whole bunch of games in a row. They won a, uh, uh, They really put themselves at one point as a potential tournament team. It takes Mike Anderson's defense a while to get going. I'm worried about next year. You are too. All right, let's change the subject if we may. Let's go very local here, Jaden. Two great transfer pickups for the Iona College Gales. Elijah Joyner, starting point guard from Tulsa, uh, who I've seen play several times and. A perfect fit, I think, for the Rick Pitino system. And Tyson Jolly, a big-time recruit from SMU uh, that's a very good athlete, uh, was once a very highly recruited player, went to Baylor on scholarship. How about those two recruits for Rick Pitino? A little bit more than I do about them, Jim. I didn't get to see much of the American this past season, but Elijah Joyner with his numbers and his style will, I think, translate very well alongside Barrett John Louis in the Iona backcourt, not missing a beat from Asante Gist and Isaiah Ross graduating. And if Tyson Jolly can stay healthy, he's that athletic guard that you can't help but have on the, t- on the roster, on the floor. He'll win you some games. Iona's doing exactly what it needs to do in the current college basketball climate for a mid-major. You get the best talent available, and for a coach like Rick Pitino who knows how to push the right buttons to get each player to buy into his system, you can't ask for anything better. Jolly may be this year, this this upcoming year, he may be the best player in the MAC. He has that level of talent. 
Uh-oh. Yeah, me intrigued, that's for sure. Yeah, okay. So we have Tyson Jolly. All right. So tell me this. What's going on in Siena? I know you follow Siena. They've had a lot of movement with transfers. Uh, Siena had a really strong team last year. They had a bad night against Iona in the MAC tournament. Uh, but they're, you know, they're a good coach, very good coach, and a good program. What's going on there? Giving for better opportunities. Jalen Pickett has heard from several Big Ten programs. Michigan and Illinois are two of his higher-profile suitors. Jordan King ended up at East Tennessee State, which is a little bit of a step up from Siena, going from the MAC into the SoCon. And now you, you look at some of the uh, the other players that are around now. Manny Tamper has graduated, so Carmen Massarello has to replace him. They picked up three transfers, and Anthony Gaines, the guard from Northwestern, Colby Harris from Cal Poly, who actually played Siena two years ago, and Jace Johnson from Middle Tennessee. So you have two guards and a combo guard as well that can step right in and fill the void left by Pickett and Camper. My concern with Sienna, though, is going to be up front with Jackson Stormo and Kyle Young finding a third piece to complement them, which is something that the Saints had problems with this past season. I agree. All right, so one of the most interesting transfers for the MAC, I think just happened in the last couple of days, Josh Roberts, the sometime starting center for St. John's the last couple of years, is going to Manhattan. I thought that was a very interesting pickup for Steve Maciello. It is, and I, I want to see how Maciello plays him with Warren Williams. This is the issue that he had with Paulie Polycap, where when he tried to play the two of them together, one of them got into foul trouble and really ended up making it counterproductive for the Jaspers. The good thing about Josh Roberts is when he's healthy, he doesn't get into foul trouble, and he can assert his will as a rim protector alongside Williams. I don't know if he'll end up playing more of a, of a stretch hole or more of a mid-range guy at the four. He's not going to be a true rim protector, I don't think. They're going to have to work on him early in the, in the first part of the season. But if Manhattan plays Roberts and Williams together, I like that lineup where Elijah Buchanan and Samba Diallo slide down to the two and the three. And you have two capable shooters with it, with Buchanan and Anthony Nelson, and then Diallo almost in the Emmy Andahar position where he could play the three or the four and make a matchup problem on either end. Right. I think it's a great pickup, uh, Josh Roberts from Manhattan. I think he's going to do really well. All right, we got one minute left. Let's go to a team that you and I root for. Brand new coach. Uh, UB Davis is now the coach of the North Carolina Tar Heels. What do you think? to see how this works out. The staff is going to be a major point of contention here. All North Carolina roots. Lost Garrison Brooks, maybe losing Armando Baycott. It's going to be a retooling year for Carolina. If Hubert Davis can stay the course in the first month of the season, I think they'll go to the NCAA tournament. i got to see how they look on the court, though. Listen, if he could take the... T- if he lo- Look, losing uh, Brooks... Um, uh, Kessler, they lost the seven footer. That was a bummer. Yeah, uh, that was a big loss. And if Baycott comes back, I think they could be fine. If they lose Baycott, I'm starting to get uh, a little bit concerned. Picked up the transfer, Brady Manick from Oklahoma. Yeah, I saw that. He's he's about 6'9, 6'10. Mm hmm. All right, there's the music. 
Thank you so much uh, for calling again to our show. And let's keep in touch and keep talking uh, college basketball. Okay, Jaden? We lost them. All right. That was Jaden Daly from Daily Dose on Hoops. We're going to a commercial break, and we're back for the next segment of the show. I'm Jim Masano. This is College Hoops Chat. Westchester's favorite morning show. I love the morning show. Good morning, Westchester, with Dennis and Tommy. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9, right here on 1460 WVOX. 1460 WVOX. We're back, College Hoops Chat, uh, here on WVOX 1460 AM. I'm Jim Masano, the host, uh, here every Monday night from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock, and uh, we're really enjoying having the show in our first season. Uh, we're in our first postseason uh, editions of the show. All right, I believe I have two calls on the line. Let me say hello to each and introduce them. You all know Kenny from Rye, Ken Nixon, my grammar school and high school friend that's on the show every week. Kenny from Rye, are you there? I am, James. All right, fabulous. And Peter DiBiase, our student college basketball broadcaster and analyst. Peter DiBiase, are you there? I am, I'm here, I am here, Jim. Thank you for having me on. All right, so I'm a little outnumbered here. I'm the St. John's guy against two Providence Friars here. Uh, so uh, we'll have some fun here. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about the transfer portal. Why don't you both give me uh, 30 seconds. What are your thoughts on the transfer portal. Kenny Nixon, you go first. Well, I'll tell you, I just went down just since we talked about focusing kind of for this segment on the Big East. And, you know, obviously St. John's leads the list with, uh, actually, I, I stand corrected, DePaul leads the list with transfers with nine. St. John's is second with seven. Uh, Providence is unfortunately right there with four, and then we get a few, everybody else. And it, it seems like what whatever is going to take place is we're going to have a big transition from a standpoint of, of, of the teams themselves and seeding next year. I still think stability will reign. And again, you look at Villanova and Villanova's, I think with one transfer. So typically the way that Jay has run the program is obviously paying off here. And so I, I think that's going to matter a lot because as you mentioned before with your guests, that coming in and learning a new style, a new school, a new coaching staff, everything is a lot of work. And they do that for the freshmen, and they incorporate them in. Now you're going to do it with the freshmen and the transfers. That makes it very, very difficult. I, I, I've got to think that the more transfers, the more transition, the more difficulties you're going to have. Peter DiBiase, what are your thoughts on the transfer portal? Um, as a young college basketball fan, I find it super interesting just because it brings um, offseason more excitement. Usually college basketball offseason is not dull, but you have just less Movement. There's a couple transfers from each team, but not this amount of transfers. And I, as a young guy, I kind of like just the excitement. You go on Twitter and you look at follow John Rothstein, and you see every two minutes there's somebody transferring or there's somebody transferring to a certain school. So I find it super interesting. I also do think it help it 
kind of changes how college coaches have to recruit because, you know, when college coaches recruit all young players, they basically probably tell them you're going to play this certain amount of minutes. But if a freshman doesn't play right away for his whole freshman year, they're most likely going to have to going to leave. So I think it puts more emphasis on the coaches because just to be better and to be more like leaders because you got to kind of convince kids to stay. If they don't only play 10 minutes a game as a freshman at Kansas, you have to uh, – Bill Self has to convince him – uh, to stay for a sophomore junior year. So I think it puts a little more emphasis on the coaches. And then I read something today that I found very interesting, how on average each team in college basketball has four players in the transfer portal. Very interesting. All right, so good points. Great points by both Kenny and Peter. All right, so I think, well, let's look at the Big East. And uh, in a second, I'm going to ask Peter to tell us about uh, the four people transferring out of Providence and the one person transferring in from Indiana. But I think the biggest transfer in the Big East so far is uh, uh, Wahab from Georgetown. It was bizarre how he transferred. He transferred in like the first day of the transfer portal. I think there probably was tampering because he was gone from Georgetown to Maryland, which are close by, in like one day. Did you guys notice that? Kenny, go first. Yeah, I did, and I think your your last guest also mentioned about the, the former AAU coaches getting these kids' ears and said, listen, this is not the right program for you, and then you've got to look at that person's ulterior motive, you know, whether he is looking for a job somewhere else or on that staff, and who knows, maybe the AAU coach from that, that young man will end up in Maryland. I don't, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, this, this leads into another situation where the, the NCAA is going to have to come up with another type of rule to say, that, you know, what is tampering, uh, because as you say, the Someone who played an important role on Georgetown for a team that won the Big East, disappointing in the NCAs, that won the Big East, and, and looked to be you know, going forward with, with regards to a great career, it made no sense. The only other thing you can say is sometimes there are academic issues you know, that you don't hear about That's for right. privacy purposes, and that could have been it, too. Yeah, I heard about one of the St. John's transfers. We don't need to say it on the radio, but I heard... Uh, he was kind of told that you're not going to make it academically. You may want to look to transfer. That's a good point, Kenny. Uh, Peter, what do you think about Wahab, like the, one of the first people transferring in America, and he did it to a school like pretty close by, and he did it in like one day? Yeah, I agree, Jim. I do think it was kind of puzzling. And for a big man, kind of a guy that played center and played a lot of minutes as a young player at Georgetown, you would think he would want to learn behind Patrick Ewing, one of the greatest uh, big men of all time and one of the greatest Nick players of all time. So you feel like that would be a perfect fit for him. And I do agree with you how it was kind of interesting how quickly he left. And I a hundred percent agree. I definitely think he talked to Maryland or other schools before uh, the season ended. I a hundred percent agree. I don't know if that's, I'm assuming that's not allowed, but I don't put it past uh, anyone in college wrestling to talk to um, kind of coaches before the season ends. It happens in professional sports all the time, so um, I wouldn't put past happening in uh, college basketball. I agree. So let's just finish up. So I thought Wahab really grew as a player because his coach was Patrick Ewing, so that's why I found it so bizarre he would leave uh, from the coach that really clearly, uh, that he took big steps of improvement uh, last season. All right, just let's finish up Georgetown, then we're going to go to Providence. They did bring in two transfers, though. Caden Rice from Citadel averaged 17.6 a game. And Trey King from Eastern Kentucky, 15 points a game. Now, they're both mid-major players, but they're two of the best scorers in their conference. It'll be interesting to see how they do in the Big East. All right, Peter, you're up. Tell us what's going on at Providence. 
Well, you mentioned the four uh, kids leaving Providence who are classmates of mine, obviously. Uh, Greg Gant, who's in my class, um, as a, he was a sophomore, he transferred to NC State. He was a highly touted recruit from the Carolinas, and there was huge expectations. He was ranked around the 60s on 24-7 sports, so a high four-star. So he had huge um, expectations, and he kind of never panned out. He was basically just an athlete that, uh, that never really developed uh, an outside shot or any type of scoring, and he kind of, his IQ was a little noticeable. Um, Chris Monroe, who was a year above me, was a shooter. He transferred to NC Central. He uh, was a low three-star recruit. He just never cracked the rotation, and, he, and obviously this year he wasn't going to play. As he didn't crack the rotation this year, he wasn't going to crack the rotation this year. So that made sense. And then Jimmy Nichols, Jr., who, uh, who was also in my class, super nice kid. I've talked to him multiple times. He's a, kind of a 6'9", kind of forward, lengthy guy. He transferred to VCU. Um, he had an injury that wasn't fully uh, known to everybody at the school um, besides the staff. Um, he was um, going to play a good amount this upcoming year, but his injuries kind of – unknown, so not a lot of people know about it, and he decided to transfer to VCU. And then Jair Davis, who was a three-star recruit, who was a freshman, he decided to transfer, and he did not play a single minute for Providence basketball. He was dealing with a concussion all year, and he never cracked the rotation. So my opinion is he probably was told that he wasn't really going to be in the rotation this year or would be a long shot, so he decided to transfer, and he has not decided to go anywhere yet because I think it just happened a couple days ago. And you mentioned the Indiana Al Durham uh, the transfer from Indiana, he averaged 11 points per game last year. And I like, I, I know you mentioned before, mid-majors don't always pan out as they go up a level. But Al Durham is not going up a level. He's staying in, in the Power Six, Big Ten, one of the best conferences in college basketball. Uh, he was a two-year captain. He started last year. He's a lefty shooter. He can really shoot the ball from three. He shot 38% from three last year. He's a lefty, a great defender, and he's a leader. He's 6'4". Uh, he's just at 185. So I think he's a veteran guard to replace David Duke, and we're definitely going to need him to play a huge role on this team. I agree. I think Al Durham was a tremendous pickup for the Providence Friars. Kenny from Raw, you want to chime in on the Friars? Yeah, I think it was interesting because this team, obviously, there's a couple of writers that have been up in Providence for a while. Kevin McNamara runs a blog now. I'm sure Peter's seen him. Uh, and, he, and he had mentioned a number of times, this team just did not gel. And, and I think it, the, the it falls on both the coaching staff and the kids. And, you know, the, the coaching staff itself, as you know, the game has changed. And three-point, you know, three-point situation rules the game. We do not have good three-point shooting. The two, the two Nichols uh, was not good. Gannett was not a good shooter either. So both of them are athletic, but they're role players. And so I think he's kind of remaking the team here. I haven't seen enough people come in yet. I like the gentleman from, from Indiana. You obviously like to see, you know, a, a, you know, a power conference transfer type of player and also someone who's, uh, you know, obviously shown some good production. But I do think this is a remake of the team. And I think that's because of the fact that what we saw last year was had no chemistry and, you know, Duke is gone now. So he's really starting with a blank canvas. It will be interesting to see how he does with that and with the players, not only Durham, but also the others that will be coming in, I guess, soon. All right, that's Providence. So let me say who I think the star, although Kenny from Rye, I think, is going to uh, have a second-place finisher or maybe he thinks first – the star of the Big East in the transfer portal, I believe, is Seton Hall. Jamar Harris from American, averaging 20.5 points a game. What a great pickup. Uh, Kaderi Richmond, a starter for Syracuse, a terrific athletic player. Uh, that was probably one of the top pickups in the country. And Alexis Yetna, Yetna 6'8", 9.7 rebounds from South Florida. Uh, 
Kevin Willard really did well, didn't he, Kenny, from Rye, uh, on the transfer portal? Yeah, I, 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 again, they all look good on paper, uh, and that's the, that's the thing. You know, I, I think if you're, if you're a good player doing, doing a decent job on a Power 6 team, moving down can be helpful, like as you were mentioning, going from St. John's to Manhattan. Uh, but that situation is you're going to have to look at a situation where someone comes in, and in the past, transfers are asked to kind of fill a role, to do a job, come in and do a job. They weren't expected to be the whole team. And now you've got turnovers where, as you mentioned, Seton Hall has got three leaving and, you know, X amount of coming in. So you've got a big transition from that perspective. So, again, looks good on paper. We'll see how it plays out when, when, when the season starts, when you have so many new, new people trying to gel. Right, right. So we'll, we will see. Uh, Kadari Rich, Rich, uh, uh, Richmond's a really good player, though, uh, that they got uh, from Syracuse. Now tell me about Marquette. Marquette seems like they've really improved. You're asking me, Tim? Yes, Kenny from Ryan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Marquette is a different, little bit of a different situation. We've seen this in the past, also. They've got a new coach, and that that really changes the whole dynamic. So you've got a new coach who comes in and sits down with the, with the players and does a full review of the roster, and basically has the ability from the administration to tell kids, "Thank you for coming. It's time to move on." So I think that's what we've seen here. All right. Peter DiBiase, Kenny from Rye, great job. Thank you for uh, going through this transfer portal in the Big East. Great job. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you, Jim. All right, guys. Uh, This is our last commercial break. We'll come back. Open line. Start calling now. 914-636-0110. Call us. We'll talk to you after the commercial break. I'm Jim Massano. College Troops Chat. Start your mornings with radio's favorite morning team, Dennis and Tawny, and Good Morning Westchester. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9, right here on 1460 WVOX. 1460 WVOX. Okay, folks, we are back on College Hoops Chat. I'm Jim Maceno, your host of our weekly college basketball radio show. And um, we are talking about the transfer portal tonight. It's an open line for the rest of the show. We have one caller on hold. If you want to be the next person, 914-636-0110. That's 914-636-0110. Let me go to the phone lines. Good evening. How are you doing, Jim? How are you today? This is Tom? Yes. Hey, Tom, how are you doing? Thanks for calling. Yeah, so my question is, you know, I've also been following St. John's for the last few years, um, to say the least. I can remember the glory days of Ron Artest. Um, but I, I saw in, uh, an interview with Zach Braziller, and one of the things he was hinting at was a potential superstar transferring to St. John's. I, I don't know if you know who that would be or there's any speculation, but I think in a more realistic question is, you know, this, this staff tends to keep things secret um, when it comes to recruiting both high school and and transfers. Who do you think St. John's can recruit to come in this year? 
in so, the financial report. So the person who they're hinting at is Bryce Thompson of Kansas. Apparently, he's like a four-star, maybe even a five-star Kansas that player that didn't get a lot of burn this past year. Mm-hmm. Apparently, has some connection to the coaches. I've seen that around the internet over the last few days. He's in the portal. He just went into the portal in the last week. So that's the guy they're hinting at. Of course, if the Johnnies were able to get uh, this uh, young player, it could be amazing for the program. Okay, because I, I do believe Bryce Thompson, He might his dad might be friends with Mike Anderson. I think that's what right? it is. Yeah, that's what it is. That's the connection. You know better than I do. Yes. So yes. Uh, I, I let's, think... let's, let's hope we get him. I'm, like, I'm a St. John's fan. I hope Bryce Thompson's in the backcourt next year. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, it's also, too, how do you think Posh Alexander, I believe, uh, the, the Rutgers transfer, his last name, uh, Matthias, did I pronounce it right? Uh, Montez Mathis. Mathis. Mathis and Alexander, how do you think they're going to be defensively in the backcourt for St. John? I think terrific. I mean, everything I've ever heard about uh, Montez Mathis from Rutgers is that he's the most athletic and best defender on the team. And we know how Posh Alexander plays defense. How'd you like to line up about those two guys when you're trying to get the ball uh, inbounded and across the, the, the half-court line, right? So I think that St. John's is going to really, uh, as usual, Mike Anderson will have a strong defense. Although, earlier on the show, I am concerned about the, all these new players, uh, three freshmen, four transfers, maybe six transfers at the end of the day, uh, coming together in Mike Anderson's defense, it's going to take a while to gel, don't you think? Yeah, I, I think so. And when you really look at the St. John's team from this past year, it looked like something was off chemistry-wise. And I really thought guys like Erlington would get more playing time. They didn't, so they decided, he decided to transfer, which was understandable. I think the transfer of Greg Williams was surprising. Um, but it's also he did transfer closer to home, so he could kind of understand that. Um, so it just seemed like something chemistry-wise was a little bit off, um, to say the least. But I think, too, when everything shut down, it looked like St. John's was peaking at the Big East tournament, and then, of course, the world shuts down, the sports world anyway. Um, so I, I think that's something to look at, too, where maybe, the, the, you know, I, I saw some things on that, that game they lost at Butler. Um, in overtime, and I just saw some body language things that were a concern. So I wonder if maybe there wasn't, and maybe a chemistry issue this past year, even though they did overachieve by everyone's expectation, if that chemistry issue did lead to all these transfers. So here's what I heard uh, from behind the scenes. So uh, I heard there was some difficulty working the two JUCO transfers, uh, Vince Cole and Isaiah Moore, and both of them thought they should have played more. And uh, I understand that with Isaiah Moore, there was some attitude issues. You actually saw it twice. Uh, one time he had to sit out a game. One time he got benched early in the game. I, there was some issues with Isaiah Moore. And I also saw um, some issues with relatives or friends of them kind of criticizing St. John's on Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. from uh, the Cole family. So there, there was definitely something coming from there. I, Tom, I think you're right on it. Yeah, and, and I really think, too, when you look at those, because when you saw how the team ended last year, I thought Carraher would get a lot more time, but he, he, he didn't. He transferred midseason. Um, I, I kind of thought Erlington would get a bigger role. I think Erlington, you know what, he took great shots for the most part. He, he just like didn't hit as well as he did the year before. So I think the, I, I do think those two JUCO players did throw off the chemistry a little bit. I mean, you can take the bad 
with it, but also it could have been worse because if Cole doesn't hit that shot opening up the middle of the season, they could have had a horrific loss in their first game. But yeah, St. Peter's, right? St. Peter's game. Um, yeah, think of, think of St. Peter's. I'll tell you this, though. If there's a coaching opening in the Big East, I'm calling Shaheen Holloway. That's the guy I'm calling first, him and Grasso up at Bryan College. Great coach. Great coach. Yeah. And, and I know someone that's the best friends with him and raves about the guy's character and as a person. So here's the schools that St. John's guys are transferring, in case people want to know. Greg Williams, who I, like Tom, was surprised transferred out, but he is going closer to home to the University of Louisiana. Mark, mm-hmm. uh, Marcellus Erlington's going to San Diego. We don't know about Vince Cole. Isaiah Moore's going to Southern Mississippi. Josh Roberts to Manhattan. Rasheem Dunn to Robert Morse. And David Carraher to High Point. So how about that? Um... All of them are going to mid-majors. I thought that was interesting. What about you? I definitely think it was interesting because it's kind of a sign. I really think the only person, well, it depends. you got to ask, why are these players leaving? If they're leaving for more playing time, it does make sense to, quote, go down a level. Even though Manhattan and the MAC it's still a competitive conference, um, you know, Greg Williams, I think, was the most surprising one. I think he's going to be, I don't know what, he went to Louisiana Lafayette. He's going to be a nightmare down there because when you look at Greg Williams' game, he can hit the three, he can finish at the rim, he can play defense. And know what? We're going to see highlight dunks of him a few times on Sports Center or on YouTube the last year, um, to say the least. Erlington going to San Diego, I have to look up more. But it is kind of telling where the talent's coming in and also where St. John is getting the talent from. Um, Rutgers, they want a college, they want an NCAA tournament game. This past season, and you can say the same thing about Purdue. Steph Smith was a lights-out shooter. I think he put up 18 against St. John's two years ago, and Joel Soriano fits that big void which St. John's has been missing. Uh, seems like the last 15 to 20 years. So here's what I agree with every word you just said. Um, I really like the four guys that St. John's brought brought in. I would have liked to have kept Williams and Erlington. Those were the two I was bummed to see go, but I yeah. do like the four players they, they brought in. Uh, here's an interesting point that uh, that we should put out there. Um, they still have two openings if Champagny comes back. Maybe they get two more solid players in on the transfer, transfer portal. Let's, let's watch that, Tom. Yeah, well, also, uh, I'm going to bring up this other counterpoint, because looking into the recruiting uh, cycle, St. John's was going to have heavy turnover after this year. If you put in if Champagne comes back, most likely he would leave for going pro. But if all those guys returned, you could have potentially lost more Cole, Roberts, Erlington, and Williams. Well, that's a really good graduated. point. So I felt like they needed a monster 2022 incoming recruiting class. But now if you get these transfers coming in, I believe Wheeler has two more years left. Soriano has three more years left. Their front court was their biggest issue. I think that could be potentially settled. I believe Smith only has one year of eligibility, but still I think it's easier to find good guard play than there are good big guys. Um, so I definitely think this kind of changes their whole high school recruiting process now. Listen, um, I think that's happening all over America. I think, it's a, sadly, uh, while, you could, while we can all agree that the transfer portal was really good for players, it gave them more freedom, I think it's question. I don't think it's good for the sport. But the one thing that really changed is there's going to be some seniors this year in high school, particularly with the pandemic as well, that may not yep. find a team to go to now because there's no spots open. Yeah, and, and I really think too. Even though I think they say 25 percent 
of college basketball players are in the portal, this fifth-year seniors totally changes the dynamic because now places like Villanova, they have two scholarships that are staying. Providence with Nate Watson, he's staying, much to the chagrin to St. John's fans, to say the least. He probably had 20 and 10 in warm-ups against them. I agree. Uh, the, I agree. Great but, points, Tom. Like, right on. That's, I totally agree with you. I don't know if you heard Kenny from Rye earlier in the show, but I thought he made one of the best points on the show is that even everyone's talking, everyone's all obsessed with the transfer portal, probably Villanova, because they kept most of their guys, is in the best spot of anybody, because they stay in the Jay Wright system, they know the system, uh, they have all four-star players to begin with. Probably at the end of the day, Villanova didn't bring in any transfers, and they're still the strongest team in the Big East. Yeah, it, it is too, and that's going to stay for a while. I think a lot of people were trying to take UConn, but I'm, I think UConn can be a top-five Big East team consistently. I'm not sure if they'll get to the Jim Calhoun level. Um, and, and, you know, you got to credit uh, Danny Hurley for recruiting New Jersey. I mean, what would have been if St. John's chose Danny Hurley instead of Chris Mullen a few years ago? But I guess that's a different conversation. Um, but it, it is. All right. Uh, you have the last word, Tom. Great call, by the way. I'm so glad you called. We got to talk more St. John's. Uh, thanks again. Call again, Tom. Great caller. Uh, All right. Thanks, Tom. I'm Jim Maysano. This is College Hoops Chat. Uh, come back next week. We're Casey Stanley, my own college assistant coach, will be here. A great show. I think we got a lot of good information out to you on the transportal. Talk to you next week. Jim Maysano, College Hoops, signing off. Have a great week. Bye-bye.